does someone have that memorized? Go for it, brother. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. So that's our memory verse for this week. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. All right. Um, we got through uh, Roman number number three, uh, but I would like to at least because there's several in here that were not here last week. Um, I'll go through and, and do the first parts of this again. And uh, But I need some help with scriptures today. Uh, who will read Galatians 6.2? Thank you. Uh, who will get Ephesians 4.32? Thank you. Who will get um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4? Thanks, Donna. Who, who will get 1 Peter 3.8? Thanks, uh, Bill. All right. Gal uh, Colossians 3.12. Who will get that? Colossians 3.12. Thank you. Um, 1 Peter 4.10. Thank you. Jenny, if you wouldn't mind then getting Ephesians 4.28. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Thank you. And then Ephesians 6, 18. Thanks. Okay. Now, as we go through this, if you have your lesson sheet, we're, we're talking about compassion. And it's a characteristic that God wants us to have. Obviously, we know the Lord is compassionate toward us. God is compassionate toward us. But are we showing compassion? And last week, uh, we began this discussion regarding uh, 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions, here's the practicality of compassion. If you have material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, we, we need to be doing things with our life, not just saying things in our life. In other words, our Christian values should be expressed in action, not just in words. Um, and that's what God intends for us to do. Am I religious or Christ-like? The story was then read, we talked about last week, regarding the Good Samaritan. Okay? Um, the, the guy, he says, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, you know the commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. Uh, but he's trying to justify himself. Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to be kind to? And he gives the story of the Good Samaritan. We understand that story. And the priest of the Levite walked on the other side because if they did, they would be unclean. Then they have to go through the ritual of their cleansing. And they just didn't want to be bothered by that. It wasn't that they weren't necessarily compassionate people, but they were more concerned about their own personal circumstances and time and ministry and you know, all that kind of stuff themselves rather than somebody else. But a Samaritan went by and bound up his wounds, took care of him, took him to the inn, etc. And said, when I come back, if, he's, if it's been any more expenses, I'll take care of it. We, he was compassionate, but he didn't just say he was compassionate. He did something about it. He showed it to them. What is compassion? Compassion comes from the word meaning to have pity or to feel distressed over the needs of others. And that's what we talked about last night. Do we have distress about the needs of others? In other words, am I focused on not just my own stuff, my own life, or my own family, 
but am I actually thinking about the needs of others? Am I actually planning in my life for the needs of others? To in inwardly be moved to do something good for someone else. To be consciously aware and have concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. There's a lot of suffering around us. And let me just make this statement. You can't fix it all. And neither can I. But God hasn't called us to fix it all. I was listening to, to someone in Walmart the other day. We were in an aisle getting our groceries. And I could tell it was a student at Liberty talking to another person their age, whether they're from Liberty or not, I didn't know. Um, but you can sort of tell Liberty students still, thankfully. And, uh, and, and she was talking, she goes, do you really, you know, she's talking about poverty in Lynchburg. And she goes, you, you understand that there is a 23, she said 23, it's between 23 and 24% poverty rate in the city of Lynchburg. Yet we have all these services that provide things. Parkview Community Mission does a great thing. The, the Daily Bread, uh, the Hand Up Lodge here in town, and so many different Salvation Army and all these ministries with food pantries and churches, etc., reaching out to the needs of the community. And, and 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 he asked her why. You know why is this going on? And I didn't have time to sit there. I, I wanted to turn around and you know and, and say, let me tell you why. <laughs> But there is poverty around us. We can't fix it all, but we can do something. And the issue then is, is that, that, but it's not about a social gospel, okay? It's not just being, you know, doing things good for others for the sake of doing good things for others. That's why just throwing money at something shouldn't ever ease our conscience. Hey, I gave them 50 bucks. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. You know, God's like, hey, oh, oh you got 50 bucks. Oh. You know, <laughs> God's not doing that. The issue is, is that God gives us opportunities to serve for one purpose. What is that purpose? To bring him glory. To bring him glory. And how is the best way that we can bring God glory in those situations? By obeying him when the spirit leads to help. Yeah. To follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, which may include sharing the gospel. That by doing these things, we are earning the right to share the gospel. It gives us a platform to actually share our faith with somebody else. That's real compassion. Because we're actually taking time out of our busy lives to actually participate in gospel sharing. Gospel presentations. God has shown compassion to us. God set the example for us to be compassionate. Psalm 116 verse 5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. God is compassionate to everyone. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger, Psalm 145, 89 says. And rich in love. The Lord is good to all. And he has compassion on all he has made. God cares not just about his children. He cares about everyone. That's why we have a responsibility to do good to all Especially the household of faith. In other words, we have a, a hierarchy of responsibility in Scripture. Okay, as a husband, I am my, my first responsibility is to my wife. My wife's first responsibility is to her husband. Then it's our children. There is a prioritization. Then it's the body of Christ. But it doesn't end there. It's good to all, to everyone who's in need, to those we come in contact with. But we should never neglect our family. To bless somebody else. Our, we always take care of family first. And that includes the family of God. The question though is, is. 
do we really even have compassion for the family of God? Are we actually caring about one another to actually know what each other's needs are? Okay, and here's an example. So Julie Farley, you know, is trying to is trying to get together, and she's got uh, JJ Cole on a team together, and say, you know what, we want to do good in our community as a class. Well, I, I said, okay, that's great. Women always step up to the plate typically to do service, but I want to get at least one more a, a guy. Men, male, hula, to join in this committee, maybe two, who'd go, you know what, I care about our community too, and I'd like to, I'm willing to sacrifice to take some time, it's not going to be a lot of time, but to step up to do this, to participate, and if the Lord leads you to do that, talk to Julie, Julie's in the back, sitting with family at the couch, you know, and this is like, you know, this is great, it's awesome, you know, talk to them about it, talk to me about it, and I'll get you in contact with them, all right? But this is what it's about, to be compassionate to all. Jesus was the ultimate role model when he healed those in need. And he talks about here the two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Immediately they received his sight and followed him. What's interesting in the Bible to me is you never hear the rest of the story, typically. Sure, they followed him. They're able to see for the first time in their life. We're blind. We want our sight. Okay, I'll do it for you. Does that mean that they were saved? No. Did that mean that they that completely turned their lives around and they were going to be following Jesus forever? Even to death. Nope. What about the ten lepers? Cleansed. Ten. All ten of them. Only one said thanks. Even the one who said thanks did. Who says that they became a true follower of Jesus. In other words, my point is this. Do we have to look at people's motives before we do anything for them? No. But in our mindset, in American Christianity at times, we begin to justify what we do on the basis of what we perceive the end result is going to be. I'm not going to do good unless I get a good. In other words, it's like investing. If, if you asked me to invest in this company and you told me I was going to lose money on it, would I invest in that? Absolutely not. I want to invest in something that's going to give me something. It's like missionaries. Missionaries are scared out of their mind of losing their support because American mentality is show me the results of your service. If you're really making a difference and worthy of my 50 bucks a month or $100 a month, you, I want to get some results from this. I don't want to just pay into something that, that's not going to give me some good results. And so they tend, I mean, that's like evangelists. Why do evangelists always try to get more results than possibly they should? <laughs> because they know people are going to be looking, what's your results? If you're, not, if you're not winning hundreds of people to Jesus, well, then it's not worth my, my money. Because that's our mentality time. Shame on us. And I'm not saying us as a class. I'm talking as a, as a Christian society. We have an expectation that says, okay, I demand results. But you know what? If you went to that country, you might not receive results for decades. Gary? I need to be careful about having the attitude of I paid for that. Yeah. Because we're having that conversation with God. And he'll tell us what he paid for. 
<laughs> so the whole thing is pennies on the dollar doesn't even hold yeah. it doesn't even the right analogy. Absolutely, yeah. There's a so one of the things we have to be careful about. There, we are called to be stewards, and so people should be held accountable. Absolutely, we might be using the wrong metrics for it, and our motivation for our metrics may be wrong, but there's still a requirement for accountability for stewardship. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, I would. You know, in other words, if if the if a, let's say a missionary, I'll give that as an example. If a missionary isn't writing back and providing you with a daily or monthly update or something like this, they're just there and you know you don't have a clue what's going on, right. that's a stewardship issue. Okay. But we just, it's the end result, the, what, what's, what's the bottom line? Is, is, that the, is that the motivation for giving? Great point. He fed the hungry, Matthew 15, 32 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. He also desired to impact knowledge and wisdom. Mark 6, 34, when Jesus landed and saw a crowd, large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. As I, we joked last week, sheep are, are, are brilliant animals, aren't they? They know exactly what to do. They're smart, you know, right? No. He sees the need. In other words, he, when he was given, he had compassion. He just didn't want to give them something, but wanted to teach them. <clears throat> And I think that's part of our motivation, too. We don't just write a check. We've got to have be, a, be a person of compassion to say, what do you need fixed so that you're really helped through the situation? What is the way to, to really help people? And he began to teach them many things. He's full of compassion and comfort. The, the spirit of the Lord, Luke 4, says, is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom. Jesus said, to the prisoners and recover the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today's the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now here's my question for us though today. Okay, You're living your life. You're going to your job. You're doing your thing. Okay, you, you, you do everything in this life. What has he sent you to do? Jesus understood his focus. What did God send him to do? But what has God sent you to do? What has he sent me to do? Sometimes we can get out of focus, and again, we look inward instead of outward. We, or upward. What has God called me to do? Here's where we begin our new section today. We should follow the example of Christ and be compassionate ourselves. We should help each other. Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Interesting. Fulfill the law of Christ. I thought we weren't under the law. Yes, we are. We're under the law. Not, not for our salvation, but the moral law of what we should be living, how we should be living our lives. In other words... He says, bear one another's burdens, carry each other's burdens. Do we even know what each other's burdens are? When we have prayer requests, are we taking the time to go to our web, you know, our Facebook page or whatever, looking at the prayer requests? Are we burdened for them enough to pray? Some of you have burdens that you've shared with me that aren't on our prayer requests, but I'm praying for them. Every day. 
Because that's what God has called us to do. I bear the burden of praying because that's the right thing to do. Because I can't fix what you got. I can't fix your issue. I wish I could. I wish I was Peter. Healed. Done. If I did, believe me, I wouldn't stop with you. I'd get to every hospital in America, in the world. Boy, would Jesus have some followers? But God doesn't allow that today, though. Because you know what would happen? Everybody would be coming after me to be on news. What you doing? And everybody would start going, he's, he, 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 he worship him. He's the guy that does it. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. They'd all start focusing on Lou, and that's the worst thing they could do. We need to be focused on God. When we show compassion, we're forgiving. Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, we're kind and compassionate with each other when we're forgiving. If we hold grudges, if we're unforgiving, if we, you know, it's like for forgiveness gives a person freedom. They are free. But when we hold that back, think about your own forgiveness. What did Jesus do for you? I, I still remember, even though I was young, I mean, nine years old, I remember walking forward and accepting Christ. And immediately feeling a burden about that, and crying literally on the front porch. And my dad's looking at me like, you're weird. You know, what are you crying for? You know, my dad had a little harsh kind of a personality. What are you crying for? I said, Dad, I just got to tell people about Jesus. And I told this in class before, and he said, well, maybe one day when you go off to college, somebody will teach you how to do that. I'm nine. I'm thinking, really? I've got to wait nine more years for this. But man, I was so grateful when those nine years was up. I was like a sponge. But think about it. God has forgiven me. I'm free. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. Well, but when I hold that back from somebody else, That's not love and compassion, is it? We should be role models of God's comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We should be role models of this. In other words, how has God comforted you? When you went through a tough time. Let, let, real quick. Anybody want to share a testimony? We went through this. God comforted us this way. And this is how we can be a blessing to others. Someone sends you a text out of the blue. And tells you they're praying for you. Or you're really having a low time. And you feel like you're going and going and going and doing. And then someone sends you a card. It's, sometimes it's just the little things. Yep. That can just like lift you up. Oh, that's great. So it doesn't have to be a lot. And then, when you know how that has meant to you, you turn around and do the same. You, you, you're aware of people who may be discouraged and send them a card. See, so you can comfort them with what you've been comforted with, that God has done through you through somebody. Anybody else? Not a lot of comfort in there. Yeah. I struggled with addiction for about eight years of my life, and then I got, this month will be 18 months of recovery for me, 
uh, and I'd like to share that with others who've been there where I was at before. That's awesome. So. That even though you had chosen a path that led to addiction, now you're 18 months clean of that addiction and you're passionate about helping others, finding out how can I use what God did in my life to help others get out of the same thing. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. God wants to do that in our life. He cares about us. We should be like-minded to care for each other. First Peter 3, 8. <clears throat> Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. The word tender-hearted is also the Greek word for compassionate. Same thing. There's, a, there's that kind of analogy. Compassionate is tender-hearted. Are you tender-hearted toward others who are going through a difficult time? Be like-minded. Okay? In other words, that we're on the same page together. That we're, same, we're on the same mindset. God has called us to be compassionate. Colossians 3.12. Who's got that? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with these things. Clothe yourself. In other words, what is when someone looks at you, obviously they recognize your clothes. Okay? Thankfully, like I said before, we're all wearing clothes. That's a good thing today. Okay? And we look at each other and we go, oh, that, that, that looked nice. But this is the thing. When we clothe ourselves with compassion, people see that in us. In other words, it's revealed by what we do. We put on something not just for ourselves, but so that it will be seen by others. Not the intent of being seen by others, but it will be seen. If we're compassionate and kind and we're reaching out to others in our humility, we show that sympathy and love and compassion to other people. God has gifted us to serve our others. First Peter 4.10. As every man has received the gift, we can so minister the same one to another as good stewards. So in other words, as you've been gifted, be a faithful steward to bless others. As we have been blessed by God, we should turn around and show that to others. So th this afternoon, maybe, maybe this week, there's some downtime that you may have. What does the song say? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. But don't just count your blessings to go, woohoo, praise God for what's done in my life. But then we can turn around and say, then God, by you blessing me, by you blessing us, what can we do to bless others? How can we bless someone else? Now, sometimes we feel overburdened by that. There are times when God puts us in a position where we feel overwhelmed by what we're doing by blessing others. And sometimes we feel like our tank is, is empty. Okay? Our love tank is empty. And we've given and given. We're overdrawn at times. And that's why we have to keep going back to the source, God himself, to be filled. Because if we look to others to be filled back up, sometimes we can get this attitude, well, I'm going to give, but I expect to get back in return so that I can give again. You're not always going to get from somebody else. You can give and give and give, and they're not going to give you anything back in return. That's why you have to get your, your gifts from God, not from them. Because it just doesn't happen that way all the time. Some people in your life will do that. But remember what Jesus said? 
If you do good only to those who can bless you, what good is that? Even the heathen do that. It's when you give to somebody who's not giving back to you that he recognizes it and blesses it. Wow. So in other words, it's, life isn't fair. The moment you think life should be fair, you're going down a path that you're going to be frustrated. Right? It's not fair. Life isn't the way it is. But God wants you to get from him so that you can give to others, even when you get nothing in return. I don't know, many of you are going through that at times. Joseph, we're praying for you. And that's tough. Sometimes you give and give and give, and you just you feel like, where's everybody else in this picture? You know, family should be fair. And family's not always fair. Okay? And that's just the reality of it. But God is the one who has to give you that. Practical ways to show compassion and be compassionate. Okay, practical ways that we can do this. First, Consider and meet the needs of others before being asked. In other words, be sensitive to the needs of others to give. Again, you, you're not the salvation for everybody. You can't do everything. And if you try to, you will find yourself burned out and incapable of helping anybody else. You've got to take care of you. That's why he says, love your neighbor you can't love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself. Take care of yourself. Okay, you've got to take care of you. But at the same time, we sometimes we think, well, you know, they need to ask. Why? Just do something. If you know to do it, for him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what sin. Sin. So we should be compassionate in that way, adding, at giving to others in our budget. Everybody, I hope, number one, everybody has a budget. If you don't, if you're just winging it, not a good plan. But do you have a budget? And in your budget, do you have set aside a portion? Okay? Not just for tithes and offerings to the church, but to bless others. Ephesians 4.28. Someone read that for me. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Wow. It, it, for him who stole, steal no longer. Stop stealing. Okay? But, in other words, if you're, if you're just not doing anything, and you expect others to give to you, get up and start working. This is not the time to just be, you know, demanding others to give to you when you're capable of working. You know, it's like at this time, it, it, people are like, well, there's help wanted signs. You, you know, it, I, I, I do, I have to be honest, okay, I'm transparent here. I get frustrated seeing someone beg for food or whatever when there's help wanted sign next to them. Okay? So, you know, and when they're capable, if they're incapable, we should take care of them. Absolutely. 100%. But if they're capable, get out and do something. That's what he's talking about. Stop stealing. But, or do something useful with your own hands. Why? So that you can have something to share with those in need. So in other words, your working isn't just for your picket fence. But somebody else's food. So that you can give to somebody in need. Build time. Let us say, build time into your weekly schedule to bless others. Is there time in your life? You can't do everything. But have you built within your weekly schedule an opportunity to bless others? In other words, it's not about me at this time. 
uh, you know, I'm going to build into my schedule. It's not going to be just so full that we have no time for anybody. We don't have time to volunteer. We don't have time to serve. I can give an hour. I can give an hour. I can give two hours a week. I can do that. Letter D, be an advocate for people in need. If we see a need, let's do something about it. Now, that doesn't mean you immediately, you've got to know the background. I also, I, 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 again, I don't mean to sound frustrating today in my communication, but nevertheless, I get very frustrated when somebody puts a GoFundMe together when they haven't even figured out if they actually have a need. They start advertising this need before they really even know what the need is. Hey, let's get our money, you know. Yeah, that's, we got to be a steward. We have to be careful of that. Do we even understand the problem? Okay, we need to be aware of that. But be an advocate for people in need. Be careful also not to judge. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, so be careful. Don't judge just on outward appearances. Don't make assumptions about people based on what you see. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to find out their situation because God looks at the heart. God knows what's actually going on here. So we have to be careful not to judge somebody on the basis of just their appearance alone. Okay? And be a prayer warrior for those in need. Ephesians 6, 18. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. With all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, let me ask this question. Bible, Bible study time here. Okay, ready? If you are a follower of Christ, do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? Yes or no? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit help you to understand the Word of God? Yes. Does, is the Holy Spirit in you to give you peace about decision making and wisdom? Yes. So if we don't know what to do, what do we do? Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us peace about it. What to do? Peace. <coughs> Jesus said, I give unto you. Not the peace of the world give I unto you, but my peace I give unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled. So in other words, God's given you the Holy Spirit, and he will give you, the Holy Spirit will give you peace about what you need. He will give you that peace that you need. Should I or shouldn't I? God will give you peace about that. And follow then the Lord's leading. Do what the Lord leads you to do. Be compassionate. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for your word and its truth. Lord, it is uh, probably because of the power outage today. We didn't have classes normal with the video, etc. But God, I pray that you would still work through your Holy Spirit, from your word into our hearts. Help us to put into practice what you're trying to teach us here through this series. God, as I begin a new series next week on the book of James, God, I pray that you would help prepare our hearts for that. Because, Father, what you have been teaching us through this series isn't just to be a hearer of your word, but a doer of it. And that's what the book of James is about. James was teaching us faith without works is dead. God, you're calling us to do something with what you bless us with. So, God, may we respond to those in need. May we have understanding and compassion. 
and to be good stewards of what you've given to us because we're going to be held accountable for how you how you blessed us. But God, may we not bury what you've given us but actually put it to use. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week. Then I'll see you Monday night.